You know, I, I am a. What's been happening is uh, this little incident with the hospital and the foot last year really kind of messed up the sleep cycle a bit for me. And, and what has been happening with our 105-year-old dog that wants to, is like having an infant toddler around the house wanting feeding or something. She wants to go out and do her business outside. And thank God she's trained that way, but yet messes things up and then wants to, to go outside at 12.30 a.m., wakes up at 4.15 a.m. or 5.15 a.m. wanting to go out and, and all that. So that's kind of messed things up. But what, what has happened... Uh, a blessing from it is that I end up waking up around five, four thirty to five fifteen ish, and uh, like wide awake. And so I'm laying there. I call it lay and pray rather than get up and and mm-hmm. shiver and stuff. Try to combat the shivers. Just lay. I have a good uh, fleece type blanket cover and lay there and lay and pray and just think because you know people don't seem to have time to think nowadays and begin to think. And in the thinking process, it's as if the Lord, the Holy Spirit, will bring things up to me. And the name of the men's group, I call it the Wild Man Warriors Project. And it's as if he said, no, call it the Warrior Wrestling Project. Because it says in the Word, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. And to, to change the name to that, the, the wrestler Warrior Wrestler Project, or Wrestling Project, WWP. WWP instead of WWE or F, you know. So maybe change it to have a different focus where it is we're talking about the men are warriors and all. I uh, don't think that's any particular pro wrestling no. yeah. uh, leagues. Okay. No, we're, we're not going to have a copyright infringement. <laughs> no, none of that kind of stuff. No. Warrior wrestling, they can't sit there and, and pull that into their mix there. So uh, we, uh, a, a little recap of of the need for our warrior wild wrestlers. Uh, remember that manhood has become an abstract concept and and no longer uh, taken seriously or considered a need in the U.S. Remember the quote from the, the journalist that said, why, we just don't understand why, why is there still a male out there and why haven't they just gotten out of the way and gotten out of here, you know, left us and all. And isn't that a little strange and funny because they wouldn't be here without the mail, right? Uh, the thinking there and all that. So uh, our viewpoint of of a man has uh, become distorted. I've got to adjust to these things because, because of the distortion of the one side of the eye. Uh, the biblical role of the man as a result has become diluted and limited in a way it shouldn't have. And the result is there's confusion in the land and in the church. One of the big complaints of the single women is men aren't men anymore, you know, among the church. Why don't men act like men anymore? Why don't they, why do we have to go chase them? Why do we have to go ask them out? Why do we have to do everything and all? They're asking that. And they're, uh, that is the makeup, the, the uh, you could say the software that God programmed into the male brain and circuitry and all that. Uh, he, he gave the man dominion and said, have dominion. The woman at his side, yes. They are equal in Christ, yes. And equal in creation, yes. But there are differences. And the man is in, in a sense of the word, a superior position under God's eyes because of that. That's why he calls him the head, the head of the family, you see. So there has been a lot of confusion in the, the world and the church as a result of that. And men seem per, uh, stuck in a perpetual adolescence. I have noticed that in the uh, the pastoral role and as a, as a business owner in the past three decades, three and a half decades, I've noticed that that the, the the men seem to be stuck as like they're still in the teen group, and they're 35 years old. <laughs> it's a, a funny thing to have the attitudes of teenagers and all. So they're stuck in that. Uh, the health of our nation. And of the church depends upon the real true man coming out, coming forth, coming out of hiding, coming out of the closet, so to speak, you know. It depends upon that. Men should be providers and not just consumers. As the head, a provider, not just a consumer. Real men show their true manhood by their legacy, by their life, and by the fruit of that they bring into the earth. You know, God said, be fruitful and multiply, didn't he? And so we make a joke about that all the time. Oh yeah, you gotta go have a dozen kids to be fruitful. 
No. Being fruitful and multiplying means taking whatever is in your possession and making more of it and making it better and greater. That's what that means. So you have a commission from God from the very beginning, uh, very beginning of our creation to do that. Um, you remember John fifteen eight. Jesus made the statement, Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. You remember the verse before that said, If you abide in me, and my word abides in you, you shall ask, I tell, demand is your covenant right, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done to you. I'm demanding as my covenant right that these floaters dissolve and wash away. And that's apparently what's happening in this left eye. You know, the reason the little the buzz and blur, blur, uh, blur and all that's happening there. So uh, Jesus made that statement and then continue on. <coughs> Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. In other words, you're, you're demanding by covenant right that production glorifies the Lord, you see. And that's the value of a godly man, having that ability with his mouth to make those demands. Now, what's up with this? What's the meaning of all this? Well, since time began, you're all aware of this, a dark spiritual force has been working against us as men and against manhood because God told him to be fruitful, multiply. Well, what's the first thing he does? God wants humans to spit in, uh, the devil, I'm sorry, getting my words unconfused here. The coffee's done it to me, I guess, the cinnamon. <laughs> getting my words unconfused. The enemy's intention is for people to spit in the face of God the way he did when he said, I'm going to exalt my throne above the Most High. To do the same thing, you exalt the, your throne, your own rulership on this earth. You exalt it, and, uh, and the number one way they attack is to become effeminate and for men's minds to turn and begin to chase other men, pursue other men instead of, as God designed, yeah, Adam and Adam and Eve, rather than, instead of Adam and Steve, you know. So you, you see that aspect. That's the first aspect of it. And there's a whole host of other pathologies that come in against men. So uh, what's up with the enemy? Well, he's been working against us since time began. Hebrews three fifteen, uh, Genesis. I'm sorry, Genesis three fifteen. And I will put enmity between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. The battle was joined at that moment. And then uh, Ephesians 6 and 12, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Our struggle. Anybody in there around this? Anybody in this room ever struggle? Is anybody that's streaming with us? Do you ever struggle as a man with your manhood? Hmm? Who's the Bible say is our common enemy? Oh, Lucy, as I like to say, oh, Lucy's our common enemy. Or the people, or the person downstairs. <laughs> the mean guy downstairs. Yeah. yeah, the mean guy downstairs. Well, wait a minute. There's people downstairs. We shouldn't be saying that, right? <laughs> it may be a mean one or two down there, but you know. So anyway, uh, of course, we know he's our enemy. First Peter five eight says, "Be sober, self-controlled, and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing." You know, I, I like that phrase. Your enemy prowls around like a roaring lion. Have you? I was in Africa a few years back. I didn't go out and fellowship with the lions and on the savannah out there anywhere like that. I knew better. But my understanding is they, there's a saying, if, if you don't bother them, they won't bother you unless they're hungry, you know. But you don't want to enter, you don't want to get on their bad side. You don't want to get on their, their dark side of any way, shape, or form. You're not the, you're not their first choice of what they you, want to do. You really aren't the first choice. However, if pushed, <laughs> yes. you can become, you can move yourself first place in line, you see. Mm -hmm. But I like this. It says he's like a roaring lion. It didn't say he is a roaring lion. He's like one. And that's all he can do is try to roar. The real lion is someone of the tribe of Judah. Jesus Christ, the real lion. So 
that's another of the father of lies, little constructs to deceive us and to, to cause confusion with us and all that. Be sober, be self-controlled, and alert because your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him standing firm in the faith. The faith means, it's that word from the Koine Greek, pistis, 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 and it means the doctrine. It means the, the body of what you're believing. Uh, I've, I've heard in recent weeks, I've heard people say, oh, oh, they're Christians. Oh, we don't want to deal with all that doctrine and stuff like that. Well, if you don't have the doctrine, which means teaching, if you don't have that, you really, you have no basis. You have nothing to stand on. Jesus made that statement on this rock, I'll build my church. The rock was the revealed doctrine of his word, teaching of his word, the understanding of his word. You see, that's what that was talking about. So we have to, to resist, stand firm in the doctrine uh, because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of suffering. Well, what is suffering? Suffering doesn't mean you get sick and uh, you bawl and squall, mommy, mommy, help me, I feel bad. It's not that at all. Suffering means your old flesh is dealing with the things of this world that are not from heaven. Your old flesh, your old soul, the flesh nature is dealing with thoughts. Just spoke on the phone a couple of days ago with someone and was visiting someone at Swedish American a day or so ago. And they were telling me, oh, the, the worst thing I've been dealing with is the thought realm here. I've been, the, the, the worries, the anxiousness of everything has been my biggest deal. He said, I'm fairly convinced that y'all are praying for me and, and I'm believing the word of God that, that Jesus has me in his hands and under control. But yet the big thing is I'm getting buffeted and beat all over the place in my thinking, in my mind. So... That's suffering. Suffering is suffering by putting down the flesh nature and saying no. You know, Nancy Reagan had the sign, if you guys weren't of age back in that day, but the big slogan uh, to uh, deal with the drug abuse problem was just say no. Early 80s, through the 80s, you saw the signs and banners, just say no. Or D.A.R.E., that's when D.A.R.E. started for yeah, schools. Dare, yeah, that, that's, that's exactly where it came out of but the slogan was, what was the phrase? Just say no. no. And the suffering in the spiritual life for us as humans comes whenever we forget about just say no. You know, I, I was, uh, within the last few days here, there was something coming up and turned out to be a temptation. Uh, wouldn't have been some terrible thing, but for me, because I, it would have been bad in my conscience and I felt like I was disobeying God, if I had done that, you know, it would have been a sin and I'd have had to go through, repent and, and confess and, and decide to turn away from it. But I made the decision right there, I'm going to just say no. Get thee, by, like Jesus, get thee behind me, you know. And it left. It flew away like a bird. Dad Hagen made statement to us one time. He said, you can't stop the birds from flying over your head. But he said, you certainly can stop them from building a nest in your hair. You think about that. You certainly have that option, don't you? You see, and that's that's what suffering here in the flesh, it talks in the Bible, suffering in the flesh. That's what that means. You're dealing with the, the things that are buffeting your soul and trying to, to turn you the wrong way and break fellowship with the Lord. See, And that's, that's true suffering. Now, look what uh, um, Jesus told the disciples, Luke 24 or 23, 22, 31 to 32. Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat, but I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your, that your faith should not fail. So when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. That's suffering. That's opposition. That's, you know, that's personally addressing the devil here, you know, opposition. So what do we need to do about this? What are some things that we as men can do to take care of these issues to deal with our suffering? Well, number one, just say no, right? Yep. That's enough. Just say no. Just say you're a liar. Uh, one of my uh, roommates in, in Bible school, I had moved to Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, was attending, going to attend Raymond Roll. I had a couple of guys that knew a friend from that had come to the Phoenix area, and I'd met him, and we kind of hit it off there. 
and he was their good friend from Long Island, New York, and you know how they talk. Hey, Gary, let's have some... Hey, guys, let's have some coffee. You know, they talk like that. So I had these two... It was entertaining to listen to them, you know. It's actually Long Island. Long Island. Long Island. Long Island. Long Island. Long Island is how they say it. They they like to say coffee and chocolate. I lived lived there for a summer with my aunt. A beautiful place. I was up there... In 2015, yeah. in the summer, it's a gorgeous place and, mm-hmm. and pretty nice people and stuff up there. But they have that funny little inflection of their voice. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> Andrew, there, Andrew was a, a, a Messianic Jewish fellow. He grew up Orthodox Jew, but he turned from that and came to Jesus and was just on fire. Still to this day, I saw him when I was there, on fire as he can be. Went to his church with him, stuff and on fire as he can be. And then Mike was the the typical Anglo-Saxon fellow about my size and height and uh, really nice guy. But uh, Mike, <laughs> one time Mike was getting these migraines in Oklahoma when the weather changes, it can affect some people like that. And he's getting these horrible headaches. And uh, we were saving money and had turned the air conditioner <laughs> in the apartment off. We shared a three-bedroom apartment. And Mike, I-, I come in from someplace and come down the sidewalk and I hear this, Oh, like Tarzan up there. So, oh, just like that, wailing across the whole apartment complex. You could hear it, and then you hear Andrew stomping his feet. The devil's a liar. The devil's a liar. Shambach was a big hero. Of his, see, they like Shambach. So you remember that's his phrase. The devil's a liar. So we got to remember that sometimes in resisting, remind him he's a liar. Jesus made that statement. You're you're of your father, the father of lies. You're of your father. You need to cut it out, boys. <clears throat> so that's one of our ways of warring is to realize what that is and who that is and what exactly he's doing and saying and shooting in our way. Know that it's a lie every time. It's a lie every time. The deal with this I is a lie because here's what I have done back through the years uh, Moses, if you remember in the Old Testament, as it, the Lord was getting ready to take him on up with him, Moses was 120 years old, and he told him to prepare and get ready to send the Israelites into the Promised Land. And it says Moses was there. It says his natural force was not less than other his vitality and strength. Mm-hmm. He's 120, and he's like Arnold Schwarzenegger still. I mean, he still had the strength and all that, probably still worked out. And then not only that, it said, neither was his eyesight dimmed. Now, how many people you know up in years, they got to have big old thick Coke bottle type glasses or, or some kind of help with their vision, right? Because that seems to be something people expect. But I saw that in there and I said to the Lord, Father God, if Moses, who was considered your servant, you said it over and over again, my servant Moses, he wasn't your son like you've declared me to be. As, as a Christian, I'm a son of God along with Jesus. And the you said it in your word that it was a better covenant based upon better promises. Mm-hmm. So Moses was dealing with uh, living before you in that time, and it said this about him. And I'm in a better covenant under better promises and all that. If Moses had that, Lord, I lay hold on that as mine too. So I'm saying this to you, Father God, from this day forward. I have 2020 past 120. I said, Moses, my natural vitality is not lessened. I'm as strong as the day I came out of Egypt. And my eyesight is not dimmed. It's like Moses 2020 past 120. At that time, I had been in uh, the, the, my deceased wife, Ann, in Oklahoma, had worked at a mall for a little bit part-time. And there were some good friends that had a a eyeglass place across the, the mall from her. And we were in there one night. She was because she wore glasses and she was looking at stuff like that. And the lady was a church friend of ours in there. She says, "Hey, let me check your eyes out." And she has me do all this stuff with the eyes that they do. And she she looks at Ann and says, "You let this guy drive you around?" Ha 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 ha. She's making a joke. She was trying to say your vision's going bad and all that. And at that point, that's when I saw that verse and said, "Father God, I'm going to stand on this." The next time it's 2020. Next time we can affect. From the, the realm of physics, we can affect through the frequency, the vibration of heaven coming through our mouth. We can affect things in this earth. Okay, we're not going to get into physics, but that's what they've discovered. Everything you see is not only an atomic a particle, but it's also a wave, a frequency. Everything. Yeah. Schrodinger's cat's alive. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a frequency. <laughs> and some Japanese physicists did a, a little uh, a little experiment where they were uh, they were speaking to these crystals, and you could see they were speaking <clears throat> words of, of life and blessing to these crystals, and the crystals began to thrive and grow. Mm-hmm. But then they spoke words of cursing to the same group of crystals, and we're, we're filming this on an electron microscope, and they said right in front of their eyes that they start dying and changing shape and stuff. So you, know, you see vit- proof in front of your own eyes that the words of the mouth, that's what makes us like God, is the fact that we have, we're a speaking spirit. We can speak, and there come a reality out of that. So we're speaking the frequency of heaven. By speaking the frequency of heaven now, these little floaters, these... What they are, the doctor said they're where you're, you had a little bleeding on your lens back there behind because of the retinopathy. And they get up there and form these little tentacles like that. It looks like hair and it affects your vision. And he said, we may have to do surgery. And I said, I don't, I don't know about that. I don't think I'm going to stand for that, doctor. They wanted to cut my feet off last summer with surgery. And I said, no, because God's with me and take care of it. And sure enough, I got my feet. I said, I don't think we're going to do that, okay? So he said, well, well, he's like, well, yeah, you're one of them, aren't you? Yeah, I am one of them. <laughs> I, I hope you're one of them too. <laughs> you believe God. As Paul said, I believe God that it shall be told me. Mm-hmm. Amen. So, uh, Luke, why did I get off on all these rabbit trails? You anybody know? Because I'm a fella, right? I'm a man. Okay, Luke 24, we talked about Jesus said Satan's desire to shift you, sift you. But I prayed for you that your faith fail not. Now, know your enemy. First John 2.14, uh, Paul uh, John writes, I write to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you're strong and the word of God lives in you and you have overcome the evil one. How have you overcome the evil one? Revelation 12.11 12, said they overcame him by the, by the blood of the Lamb. And by the word of their testimony, the blood doesn't mean drops like are flowing in the back of my lens here. It means the work of Christ. It's a legal term. It means the courtroom battle that was won by Jesus when he said finished on the cross. And so uh, they, he, he says that the, the, the young men, because you're strong, the word God lives in you, and you have overcome the evil one. How'd they do that? They believed and they spoke. They confessed Jesus as Lord. So... Know your enemy, you've overcome the evil one. First John two fifteen through seventeen. Do not love the world, the cosmos in the Koine Greek cosmos means the system of the world, the thinking system of the world, the ways of the world. Don't love the ways of the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him, for everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man the lust of his eyes and the boasting of what he is he has done and has comes not from the father but from the world the world and its desires pass away but the man who does the will of god lives forever don't love the world the cosmos now remember jesus said this god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son not the same word not the same meaning. The world means all the people. The seas, as it says in other places. That's all the people of the world. All the creation that he formed of his own image, you know, and of his own breath. So we've got to understand the enemy. We understand who the enemy is and how he works. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Take a close look at the strategy uh, of the devil. The way he conducts this warfare against us. Number one, uh, the lust of the flesh. And that is mainly a blow to the body of people, the body of men. We're talking men here. Okay, That's mainly a blow to the body of men. Uh, as in 1 Corinthians 6, chapter, uh, chapter 6, verses 19 through 20, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body, and in your spirit, which are God's. So the, the objective, he's, the blow to the body, is to pervert our physical desires. It's a horrible thing. And he mentioned, I mentioned that earlier at the beginning about how men have gotten off and basically spat in the face of God through the thinking that got a hold of. And it says God gave them over to a perverted mind. Mm-hmm. You see? 
So to pervert <clears throat> means to use in a way that distorts the created purpose for anything. You can pervert anything on this earth. You can pervert money. Well, how do you do that? Well, look, ask the U.S. government. They perverted money. It used to be something of value. It used to be gold and silver and what have you. Now they perverted it. It's just paper that really could be used on the toilet roll, you know, honestly, for the value that it has now. So they perverted that. They perverted the the aspects of economy and of, of money in the economy. So uh, against this created purpose, they've done that. Now, number two would be the attack on the love, through the lust of the eyes, the strategy through the lust of the eyes, uh, mainly a blow to the soul or the mind, and it causes a twisted viewpoint, a perspective, uh, measuring our lives by temporary things, and it's divine, defined by our possessions. You know, I love that white car that came into possession of someone here. I love that. It's, it's, it's nice. It's maybe not perfect, but it's a nice car. I love that. I, I, I don't know who you're talking about. I don't know. I don't know either. But somewhere it just came into my mind, okay? And, and I enjoy the little green car out front that I get to drive. I'm allowed to drive sometimes. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> I enjoy a little green car. It's a possession, but you know what? It sure doesn't define my life. Uh, you know, if, if I were defining my possessions, I would have a Hummer out there, a diesel mm. Hummer, a diesel Hummer with a with a compressed natural gas injector that gets 80 miles per gallon because they have we have those in Oklahoma you know that's what I would have that's my my lust of the eyes to get some I like a fire engine red one myself so uh, that's what I would have but you see <laughs> we can't live by that can we that, that's an, an, an according an, to insurance companies they get in the most wrecks <laughs> <laughs> or the Nissan. I don't. Years. I don't see how. <laughs> no, I, I had a fella. I had a, a thirty-two foot flatbed uh, trailer. That my father had used to haul construction stuff in Texas. He brought it up when the the cancer thing hit him, and he, he went to Arizona for a while and brought it up for me to sell. I had it sit in the front yard, and we had a big acre and a half yard at the ranch front. So it was out in front, and people could drive by, see the for sale, and come in. And a fellow drove in one day, a beautiful Hummer too. Oh, wow, it was gorgeous. And, and brand new and everything. And, and uh, we're talking about this thing. And I, he saw me look over at the Hummer. He says, you like it? Oh, well, is the Pope still Catholic? Yeah. <laughs> he says, here, take Maybe not. He throws me the keys, said, here, let's take it for a ride. Let me let you see what it's like. I think that's been distorted over the years, What's too, that? so he may not be Catholic. He may not be anymore, right? Right. Yeah. He may belong to a different crowd, right? Yeah. <laughs> so so he, he throws me the keys, says, here, let's go for a ride. And we took that thing about a five or six mile ride, and oh, my goodness, I'm figuring that's probably what we're going to be driving in heaven if it's not a chariot with horses. It'd be a Hummer. <laughs> fantastic, fantastic, fantastic ride. The driving, the ergonomics, the way everything's laid out on the, the for you to deal with up here, magnificent. They thought mm -hmm. of everything on this thing, and I could drive cross country two or three thousand. You know, I get that CNG kit, and it's got a thirty gallon tank. That's twenty four hundred miles of driving. You go practically across the country, and I could do that easily with that thing. It's nice. So the lust of the eyes, that's, that's the lust that my eyes would lust after right there. We have that Hummer, you know. Yeah. So not be defined by our possessions, though. That's the whole point of all. Yeah. Um, Joyce Myers today was talking about the devil and the scandal on. The scandal on is basically something that is a trap yeah. that, that brings, brings you into it. So the first question that you asked about 10, 15 minutes ago, um, what should we be doing to avoid these things is don't go too near the edge. That's exactly, yeah. You know, because the scandal ends are there. Joyce has a lot of good stuff she, she yeah. puts there. Yeah. It goes well with with, uh, with the book I'm writing um, about measurements and how they gradually become farther and farther apart Fish until tails. your confusion. Yeah. No, if you're, build, if you're building and you don't have it quite measured right, yeah. if you complicate the error by keep measuring by that, you're going to have the wrong results. Yeah. And it's going to get more distorted. Yeah. Like in the construction realm, I remember a fella mm -hmm. one time, was he was taking the previous two before he'd cut and measuring the next one with that. Yeah. And what happens was it put that 
measurement off by a 32nd of an inch, that width of a pencil, mm-hmm. whatever right there. The he cut that. And by the end of the, the trusses he was putting up, it was an inch off, mm-hmm. which is not going to end up working no. over time. No. You can you can kind of jury-rig it a little bit and make it look okay, but it, mm-hmm. it's not going to work. You see, that's that's the whole point of all that. So we, we have to be proper in our measurements, in mm-hmm. our assessments of things and all that. Now, there's another area that's an attack on us. It mentioned there first, John, the pride of life. Uh, James 4, 6, God makes war against the arrogant, but gives grace to the humble. Mm-hmm. And in King James, God resists the proud, but we don't always get the proper uh, understanding from the original text on that. It's not resist, and resisting, you, know, you can sit in a, in a bench press and you're resisting, or rather it's resisting you, and you're pumping this up and down on a shoulder press. You're resisting, it's called resistance training, okay? Your muscles gain stronger, get more fiber in them by the resistance. That's now nowhere near the meaning of that. It literally means makes making war on something or someone. So God resists or makes war on the arrogant, on the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Now, it keeps us, the pride of life keeps us from admitting to ourselves that we need help. It keeps us from asking others for help. Have you ever been in that situation? You know, one older fellow one time, he was on his deathbed and he was talking to the to some of his sons. And they said, Dad, you had a wonderful life and all that. Uh, what would you do differently? Thinking back over it all, what would you do differently than what you did do? He said, well, number one, I'd ask for help. <laughs> <laughs> So <laughs> I, I tend to have the philosophy of the Waco kid. Yeah. And the sheriff asked him if he needed any help. He said, all I can get. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the truth, right? We, we use all the help we get. Now, it's the ultimate blow. Uh, the ultimate blow is an eternal bruise to our to our soul. Can't read my own hand typing here. <laughs> the ultimate blow the ultimate blow of the pride of life it's a bruise to our soul you think about that you carry that all year through eternity you know now it moves to gain an advantage over our common enemies of things that we can do and we're coming to uh, the, the close of tonight's session just on time the moves the things that we can do to address the common enemy number one you're familiar with this one submit yourselves to God Resist the devil and he will flee from you, right? Make war. That's that same word. Make war on the devil and he will flee from you. How do you recognize the distortions? Because you know him from being in the Word. That's right. From having communication. That's right. And um, you're not maybe going to be able to avoid all all the distortions that are sent your way because there's a plethora of them out there right now. Constant. Uh, But... But that's your basis for the truth, and that's your basis for avoiding distortion. That's right. But the, you know, I was there was a minister and I were speaking a few days ago, two or three days ago, uh, and the subject of witnessing was coming up and stuff. And the Spirit of God said these words to me about about witnessing. You know, we we take it to mean so many of the fellows that are called soul winners. Mm-hmm. They think it says you shall do witnessing. You'll have the Holy Spirit come upon you and you shall do witnessing. And that's not me. I don't go, I'm not a Jehovah's Witness type fellow or a Mormon fellow that goes around knocking on people's doors and, and bothering them from whatever. Although maybe that wouldn't be wrong, but you know, I don't, that's not me. Yeah. But, but uh, I'm more of live the life here's what the lord said Mm -hmm. to me he said this is something that'll is like he said this is something that'll preach boy he said number one number one step in witnessing perfect the presence of god perfect the presence in other words mature mature his presence inside you you Mm -hmm. you be all you can be in him you meditate you pray in the holy ghost get yourself built up perfect the presence of god and then number two practice the presence of god you're going around your actions. Everything says, "He's real. He's my everything. I know Him." 
So perfect his presence in you. Practice that presence. And number three, preach the word. The P, the three P's of witnessing. Perfect, practice, preach. Preach the word. And what is that? You don't, whenever he's who's oozing out of you, you're so filled up with him all the time. You don't always have to sit there and say, repent. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had I had a fellow, he was actually in the ministry, but traveled around the world. He was He roomed with me overseas on a mission. We were together rooming for maybe two and a half weeks. And by the end of it, he'd been on the stage with me and ministering and, and stuff and all. And by the end of it, he comes to me as, as we're at the hotel at the, at the capital city, ready to go fly out the next day. He says, he says, I want what you got. I said, what? What'd you say? He says, how do I get it? What are you talking about? He says, I want what you got. What do you mean? He says, I don't know, but whatever it is you got, I want it. (laughs) And trust me, I ain't the perfect human and the perfect person to be hanging with all day. I'm not. I don't claim to that. But yet the presence of the Lord, I'd been, it says in the word, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. And I'd been delighting in him and been, uh, I learned years ago when coming back from up yonder, and coming out of that hospital at that time, I learned to sit there and just worship him and praise him out loud. You don't have to be able to sing, just to say it, just to read the Psalms out loud to him and stuff. I learned that. And the word says he inhabits the praises of his people. It also talks about the high praises of God being in our mouth. So those aspects of life can bring that presence, can perfect the presence on the inside and make you more like him. So, and then people are saying, well, I, I, I'd like to be like him. Of you, you know, they say that of you. Mm-hmm. Or like this Jimmy fellow said, I want what you got, man. <laughs> and so we're still friends to this day. Glory yeah, to God. Yeah. yeah, that's a start, but then you, they can also be coming with wrong motives that will yeah. distort them like Simon the Sorcerer. It's, it's true, but he wasn't, though. I mean, I, I've known, the, kept up with the man through the years. He, we're, we're still friends and all that. But he's, yeah. He, he actually has gone to work for Billy Graham's uh-huh. ministry. Yeah. So. Yeah, a lot of times it'll be that way, but there are those that are coming with wrong motives. Yeah, and you got That's what you when you have perfected the presence and you're practicing it, you'll be able to tell that. Mm-hmm. You'll be able. You'll have the sense of, watch out, look out, or yeah. someone else. For instance, a wife. If that that particular person is in your life and submitted to God, uh, I don't know how many times the. That woman God gave us to me saved me from situations because of something inside of her. That intuitive, intuitive whatever inside of her. Mm-hmm. Speaking of it. And I don't know why we got off on this. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, God makes war against the arrogant. He gives his grace to the humble. Now, some moves that we can take. Number one, submit and resist. Subject yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist or make war on the devil. And he will flee from you. James 4, 7. Then number number two, rest with him, rest in him with relaxation. Follow the example of Jesus who went out and went out aside by himself for a while. And he, it, the Bible talks about he prayed with strong cryings and tears. You can't do that for eight hours straight. I've tried. It doesn't work. <laughs> but you can pray in the Spirit and pray in the Holy Ghost and just, just fellowship. Say, Father God, fill me. Fill me up. Overflow me, Lord. Get me. Get me, Jesus. <laughs> you can say that, and he'll do that. Genesis chapter 2, verses 2 through 3. On the seventh day, God ended his work, which he'd done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he'd done. And then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work, which he had created and made. So rest in him and relax with relaxation. Number three, simplify your life. Okay, I hear that word a lot. I've heard a lot lately. Oh, it's complicated. Oh, it's com- why aren't you doing this? Oh, it's so complicated. Mm-hmm. It's just complicated. Mm-hmm. We'll simplify the life. Make it simpler. Hebrews twelve three. Seeing we're also uh, surrounded about with so great a cloud of witness, let's lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily besets us, and run with patience the race that is set before us. Get all the dead weight off. There are things that, that probably are not sin in, any, in God's or anybody else's sight, 
but they can become a weight. They can be hindering what your your mission, your commission in life is, and could reduce your reward at the judgment seat. I look forward to that so much. Yeah, coming that judgment. That can become an edge thing because you start to create an image in your mind, and with that image, you the devil is able to manipulate those things yep. for the, the image you're creating. That's right. Manipulate. That's that's one of his key words is manipulate. I'm going to manipulate you, buddy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or I'm going to use what's around you to manipulate you to make decisions and all. So uh, simplify your life and then pursue financial freedom. Uh, why would I say such a thing? Because God said it in the word Deuteronomy 28, 12. The Lord shall open to thee his good treasure, uh, the heavens to give the rain while they are, are while they, your land is in a season, and to bless all the work of your hand, and you shall lend to many nations, and you shall not borrow. So financial freedom would be, like he says, lend and not borrow. Because the Bible says the borrower is the slave to the lender. I've gotten to the point now, I, 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 tr- I don't do debt. I have credit cards, but they're paid off every month, you know. Right. You know, but I don't do debt because I did get in trouble over that in previous years. I really discouraged them. I pay mine ahead. Do you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that brings up a story. I had my credit card that I used to carry a balance on, and I got a letter from my credit card company. You have reached your payment limit of five payments this month, so you have to wait till next month to get the rest of your credit card off. <laughs> That's funny. I've never heard that happen. I actually got it on the computer, yeah. <laughs> That's funny. So pursue financial freedom. Deuteronomy twenty-eight twelve. He'll open the good treasure. That's what I love. He'll open the good treasure and bless all the work of your hand, and you'll be a lender, not a borrower. Now, number, number five... Stay connected. Ecclesiastes 4, verses 9 through 12. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, and a threefold ford cord is not quickly broken. So stay connected. Are we getting close to the to the gong to the gong show ending here? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you got a clap over there, Gary. Got a clap over there. Okay. You got a clap over there. Okay. Maybe you can't see it if you got the reading glasses. Okay. <laughs> oh, that's right. I do, don't I? We'll just get a digital clock to start the not 60 minutes. That way we know. Yeah, the clock is a couple minutes ahead, so I'll just, I'll just remember that. Okay. So. Now, uh, number six, meditate on the word. I've said that over and over again here from our pulpit. Psalm 119.11, your word I have hidden in my heart that I may not sin against you. So meditate, deep think, make the word a part of your life. Number seven, Turn and run, forest. First <laughs> Corinthians ten thirteen. No temptation is overtaking you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted above what you're able. But with the temptation, will make a way of escape that you can overcome it. Run, forest. <laughs> Number eight. Uh, the presence of the Lord Jesus is another strategy or tactic that we can use against our enemy matthew twenty eight thirty, um jesus said this i will be with you always to the end to of the, the world end of the age. practice perfect the presence and practice that presence then go preach amen now that's the end of today's segment but i have some discussion questions so we're not ready to hit the gong just yet what's the most important thing you learned in this particular lesson or session today The most important thing you learned in today's session. And I'm telling you this, if you want to learn something well, teach it. Right. Because you've got to dig down and get stuff internalized and all that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm helping Brian with understanding that. Too. Are you? Yeah. Maybe Brian should come here with us. <laughs> yeah, he's, 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 a, he's got some ways of thinking and we'll discuss things. 
he t talked about a question that he had. That, um, there were four different answers to which he would want to be. Social or private, um, something else, and um, then just social, and then the other ones. But he said he, he wrote down social. <laughs> which is a big step for him. Yeah. But I told him I would have answered that social and private because mm -hmm. there are times that you need to get aside like Jesus did. Yeah, there needs to be a balance, actually. Yeah. Of yeah. Things that are yeah. A proper balance to stay on. One of Dad Hagen's favorite things to tell us in class was mm -hmm. he says, don't, he says, Keep yourself going down the middle of the road. Don't get off in the ditch on either side of it, okay? Mm -hmm. He tells that all the time. Those edges. Stay on the road. <laughs> yeah, those, those edges. So, uh, number two question. How have you seen the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life work in your own life? What have you struggled the most with in those areas? Well, you, could not, you can hardly escape... Um, just watching commercials, uh, the programming is progressively. Oh my uh, goodness! Yeah, progressively worse. They wouldn't have dreamed for these commercials. We see they wouldn't have dreamed of having those scenes yeah. back and, when I was a kid. On and, and things that that they wouldn't show in front of children now they show in front of children. Yeah. Did you? Um, when I was a kid, you couldn't even. They didn't allow you to say pregnant on TV. No. In the script. No. That's that seems strange to you guys, maybe, but. When we were kids, no, I, I still remember when, it had to be when we were yeah they, you could yeah. not say pregnant and all that kind of stuff because it was considered yeah. offensive. So yeah, Florence Henderson was was proud that she was able to break the thing where where couples would be in the same bed. Oh yeah, Brady Bunch. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but before that, the, that wasn't splashed in front of you. No, no. Yeah, I don't even want to recount what they're doing now. Yeah, yeah no. Yeah. If if if, if yeah. it pops up, we get the remote. Nope, <laughs> nope, no, yeah. no. Yeah. Well, we're not watching that. <laughs> I got one better. I don't have TV. Well, I should say I got TV, but they're all the channels that would actually have something like that are gone. Mm -hmm. I, I, I mm -hmm. yeah, we, we have streaming, but, yeah, that's which what is we do. Cox Cable or whatever Comcast and all, and mostly use like the. Um, the Prime, I have the Prime Video and Hulu and Netflix. And if Dola wants to watch a movie, we have to go through. If we're going through watching the look at the movie stuff, if it says R, we go past it. Yep. Nope, 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 nope. R, 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 you know, sitting there and finally find something that's decent. And, uh, I guess well, that's a good rule. Army, R stands for raunchy, right? Well, <laughs> when we were growing up, anything PG 13 or, or over, we couldn't watch. Yeah. <laughs> And today, PG-13 is way uh -huh. below morally what it was when we were kids. Oh, <laughs> my goodness. Didn't have to have reading sleep when I was a kid. I remember, <laughs> I, I remember this one. I remember she was my aunt and my uncle. They adopted a daughter. Mm -hmm. And she loved the... We all heard of the movie Dirty Dancing. Mm -hmm. She went through, because her daughter loved it so much, so much of the movie. Mm -hmm. She sat there almost six hours cutting out all the scenes that just to make it rated G. And it was it went from a two hour movie down to a forty five minute movie. Fifteen minute movie, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now if you do it you the might not want it is like probably like that is American Pie. Yeah. It's a movie. Oh my goodness. That's <laughs> yeah. that's P G thirteen, that's what they rate as PG thirteen. Oh my I haven't seen it. I like the song. Oh, no, you don't. <laughs> no, you don't. No, you don't. It's the theme song of the movie, no. but that's not what it's talking no, about. It's not no, talking no. about Apple. The Don McLean song was fine. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, that was it. But that's not but, the reference in the movie today. That was Well, did you hear uh, the good state of Texas, the evil man, is actually suing the state of Texas for religious rights? Really? Yes. <laughs> I, I read, there was an article in that, and I sat there and watched it. I couldn't think like... You mean suing them? Suing them, yes. For religious right, the yeah. e the mm. evil. You mean the 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 worshippers of Satan? Yes, satanic are suing church. them. Satanic S church, yeah. Yep, suing set uh, taxes for religious rights. Yeah, 
Well, un- under the law, they actually do have the right to worship how they choose under the right. First Amendment and all that kind of but stuff. But yeah. for us, it's like they're just going, well, you might as well, just, you know, if that's the way it's going, it's like yeah. good is evil is good and good is evil. It, it increases donations. I'm going to oh. tell you that from, from personal experience yeah. through the years, it increases the donations. I believe it was Justice Douglas that said, um, I can't tell you what obscenity is, but I know it when I see it. Yeah. Yep. Isn't that true? And you're not allowed to yell fire in a crowded theater. You know, if you're endangering others uh, with with the way you're going with your rights, then you should be held accountable too. Yep. Did the gong sound already? Yep. Okay. I could not find the paper bag to get yeah, over minute. my head. I'm the unknown comic. Is it still still <laughs> yeah. going? Okay. I'm sorry. I thought that seeing you fold up that i that iPad, I thought you were. You got okay. like four minutes, so okay. you're good. Okay, well, okay. all right. Well, why don't, why don't we pray? That it was. I think it was a good session tonight. It was good. We're we're going to be talking about the wildness, the way God created men to be wild men at some point. But we've got some other things to go through first on this. So, mm-hmm. Hallelujah! Thank you, Jesus. We praise you, Father God, for your word. That your word's gone forth; it'll not return void. Even those who were uh, worship streaming with us tonight are blessed and edified, lifted up, and under, receiving insight and understanding about manhood and about the value of a godly man. Lord, we thank you for the these godly men here tonight, that they're valuable in your eyes. Those who are streaming with us, they're valuable in their eyes because they've covenanted before you to be uh, wrestlers before the Lord, wrestlers in the Spirit of God. Wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the evil forces, Lord. We thank you, Father God, that we have the victory because your word says, thanks be to God who always gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And through that resurrection, victory is guaranteed. We thank you for that, Father God, that we have that power from above, that finished authority has been handed to us, and we're praising you for it. We're thanking you that we're expanding, increasing, that I'm going to call upon you the way Jabez did, you bless, that you bless us indeed, that your hand is with us, that you enlarge our territory, and you keep us all from evil, that it may not grieve us and cause pain in others, Lord. We thank you for that. Thank you for your will, for your word, for your presence. Amen. 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 Amen.